0: guys, we I can't believe it, but I felt like I was just standing up here and saying we're in July and now July is over. Um, so this is the last, the last um, sermon to close out our series. Um, we've been talking about offense, right? And, and again, if you hadn't heard me say it any of the other prior weeks, we're not talking about basketball offense, football offense. We're not t- talking about scoring points. Um, but what we are talking about is how we sometimes will have words with each other, or sometimes looks at each other that cause sparks to fly, right? And we get offended, right? And so we've been talking all this month about how to overcome that. Matter of fact, in the beginning of the month, um, I I talked about Proverbs 19.11, where it talks about it's to our glory to overlook an offense. So just let it roll off your back, right? We can overlook it. That's to our glory. But today, we're going to talk about how can we glorify God when it comes to offense, amen? How is God glorified when it comes to the area of offense, amen? And so that's what we're going to be focusing on today. And today's title is, Can't Please Everyone? Question mark. Can you please everyone? What if I told you you could? Some, you guys are like, I don't believe that. Well, we're actually going to take a look at, at what does Paul have to say about that idea of, can we please everyone? Um, you might be surprised actually by some of the things that he says. Um, I was, and even though I've read these passages before, there's some surprising, um, aspects to, I think what he says we should be aiming for as believers. Amen. Some of that stuff may rub us a little bit the wrong way. You might walk out of here saying, I'm not so sure I believe that, but understand that these are not my words. These are, these are coming straight from the scripture. Amen. Praise God. So, um, before um, before I, I jump into it, let me just uh, open with a quick prayer, amen? Um, Heavenly Father, we, we pray, God, that you continue to give us more wisdom, more insight, shine more light on this idea of offense, and how can we overcome it in our own lives, and how can we also um, not be givers of offense as well? How how can we be less offensive to others? Lord, I pray, God, that you just give wisdom, give insight, open up our hearts to receive what you have to share with us in your word. In your mighty name we pray. And the church said, Amen. All right, guys, I got a couple of symbols that I'm going to put up here that are pretty offensive, some of them. Um, And I'm starting out with one that should probably be pretty highly offensive um, to a lot of us, right? A symbol can be offensive, correct? We don't even have to say anything, but we can just look at a picture and we can all kinds of feelings and ideas can be generated from that, right? And, And offense can be given. Next one. How about this one? Next. See, it depends on who you are, right? Depends on who you are. Certain things might be universally offensive. Some might only be offensive. Like, like to a lot of us Christians, we see 666 and we, wanna, we run and hide, right? A lot of us don't even really fully understand what that number means. But to a lot of us Christians, oh, no, that's the worst. That's very offensive, right? Next. Next. black lives matter there are some people who are offended by just that phrase right there next how about that again it depends right some of us Christians we see that and that's super offensive to us you know I and uh, but you know next 50 60 years ago this was illegal in a lot of states. It's hard, it's hard for me to even fathom that because I, I didn't grow up in that era, but to understand that it would be legal for these two to be married 50, 60 years ago in a lot of our states. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. Next. Steak. Now, some of you are like, what does that have to do? Hey, there might be some people that are highly offended when they see a piece of steak because they're thinking about the poor cows and all this and that, right? I, I got another one. Yeah, I'm hungry. I, I'm not offended by that. Next. As you can tell, Ten Commandments has been removed from different places because it's been considered offensive. How about this next one the very cross of Jesus Christ the symbol of our faith the symbol of our hope to many it's a symbol of offense there are so many things nowadays that can cause offense correct so many thoughts so many words what you believe what you don't believe what political affiliation you have do you want the vaccine do you not want the vaccine? right on and on and on and on so many different things that can cause offense but the cross 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and verse 18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. So in other words, that verse is saying it's foolishness, it, it causes offense, right? This The cross itself, right? The Bible itself tells us that this message that we hold on to, that we hold so dear, is actually going to be offensive to many ears. First Peter 2 verses 7 and 8 says, So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. Okay, so basically, we understand from these scriptures, and we know from being Christians that just being a Christian, just living out our faith, is going to be offensive to many. But here's the thing, guys. Though the, though the message of the cross is offensive in, its, in and of itself, we I really want us to grab this today. We don't have to go out of our way as Christians to be offensive. Let me say that again. Though the very faith that we profess is going to be offensive, we don't have to go out of our way to be offensive. What do I mean by that? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Amen. We can't please everyone, or can we? I don't know. We're going to find out. <laughs> we're going to see what does the Bible have to say about it, right? So so how does God get the glory regarding offense? How does God get the glory regarding offense or lack thereof? This is what we're going to dive into a little bit today. Amen. And we're going to be focusing on the key passages, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 31 to 33, and then we're going to also look at the very first verse of chapter 11. right? Um, so, quick little background. That chapter starts out by Paul warning the people not to fall into the sin of idolatry. Now, Corinth was a very worldly place, full of idol worship. So he's warning them, don't fall into that. He's, and then he starts saying, you can't partake of the, of the table of Christ and then also of the table of demons you can't do that you can't have you you can't be dipping your foot over here and dipping your foot over there it's not good it's not right this is where we either serve God or we or we serve the devil we can't we can't be in the middle right and, and, and so this this idea you know and then he shifts the conversation to talking about what does your conscience allow what does your conscience dictate when it comes to certain areas that maybe aren't so black and white. How many know that there are areas that aren't always so, bl- aren't always so black and white in the scriptures? And we know that we know that those are there because we fight about them, don't we? Because it, it might be black to you, but it's white to me, it's white to you, it's black. And, and we go back and forth, right? Because it's not very plain for all of us to agree and understand, so we argue about it. We think it's this way, we think it's that way. So um, he says, how about, and he draws like some, some, some for instances. He's like, how about you get invited to dinner at a non-believer's house, do you eat the food that they give you? He says, of course. Now, some of us are thinking, why wouldn't we eat the food? Why, what, what would the difference be if somebody is a Christian or not? I, 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 don't go, you know, I don't go to McDonald's and say, are you a Christian? No? Okay, I can't eat here. No, that wasn't what he was talking about. He was saying, when you have meat at an unbeliever's house in Corinth, that meat could have very well have been offered to idols. So he's saying, should I ask them? and say, hey, by the way, was that meat offered to idols? <laughs> he says, don't even do that. He says, eat it and pray for it, bless it, and know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we don't have to nitpick and we don't have to worry about all these little things. Am I right? Am I wrong? He, If if somebody invites you over to their house, eat with a good conscience, pray over it, bless it. Don't worry about this or that, and don't worry. We get so legalistic as Christians, and so even though Paul, even though Paul is saying, look, don't drink from the cup of demons, but at the same time, don't be thinking there's a demon around every corner, right? It's kind of a little bit like what he's saying, right? And and he, but then it gets more complicated. Then he says, but if you're at that dinner. And then somebody nudges you and says, hey, that meat was offered to idols. (laughs) Now what do you do? Now you know that it was offered to idols. Should you eat? Should you not eat? And here's what Paul says. Paul says, don't eat it. Not just because it was offered to idols. He says, don't eat it for the person's conscience who told you it was offered to idols understand what's happening here he's saying you're free to eat that meat because it belonged to God before it but before it was offered to any idol and you pray blessing over it you're free to eat it but if somebody is concerned that you eat it because of where it came from in order not to offend them, don't eat it right now it's complicated sometimes right? Like, what do we do in these kind of, how do we please everyone? I don't want to offend the host, and I don't want to offend the guy who just told me that meat was offered to idols. What should I do? But but here's kind of what Paul is stirring up. And there's no way I can tackle all of this, because this really can go a lot of different ways, and, and I'm not going to be able to really cover this whole big topic. It's controversial, as you can see. But what I do hope to to really kind of focus on is the bigger picture, and how do we deal with offense and how should we not be attempting to offend people on situations where there's really no reason for us to cause offense amen does that make sense you're like no some of you are like no not yet that's okay hopefully it will by the end (laughs) amen could you stand with me for a moment we'll just read these opening verses again this is a challenging topic but i hope to bring just some clarity On a couple points of it. Amen? And and, and we're going to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 to 33, and then the first verse of chapter 11. Amen? And it would help if I opened my own Bible. (laughs) Here we go. Okay. All right. So it says, So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, say whatever you do, do all. To the glory of God. Amen. That right there is supposed to be a freeing verse. But we get caught up in the details, right? (laughs) We're like, but I don't know. Can I? Should I not? Should I? Uh, Verse 32. Give. Listen to what this says. Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Now how in the world is that possible? Think about that for a minute. Just as I try to please every... What did Paul say there? Just as I try to please everyone? That sounds a little spineless, right? Isn't this what we think when we hear that kind of a thing? We think, no, I'm not not supposed to please everyone. i got to do what's right. But what is Paul saying here? This is interesting. I want you to... Well, it, it says, just as I try to please everyone, in everything I do. Not just some things not just some people, but everyone in everything I do, not seeking, here's the key, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Now, this next verse, I had to include it. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Man, this blew me away, especially that last verse. You guys can be seated. And we're going to try to jump into this a little bit today. You guys ready? put on your seatbelts. No. I'm about to offend some folks. Now I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, but um, that's not my goal. <laughs> and it shouldn't be after what I just read, right? He says, don't cause any offense, even in the house of God, right? So, but, but here's what it says. Um, and here's what I want us to focus on. He says, whatever we do, do it to the glory of God. Amen. So how can God be glorified around this, this situation of offense or giving offense or not giving offense? I, I, I want to point out four things that I find in this passage. Four things that I think when we strive to aim in these directions, it will help us to glorify God. Amen? How many of us want to glorify God? Right. That, that's what we want to do, right? That's our goal. That's our purpose. This is why we were created, to bring glory to our Creator. Amen? And so here is a very challenging way that we can bring Him more glory. Are you ready? Are you ready? (laughs) Amen. All right, here's the first one. God is glorified when we are looking for ways to love and not offend. God is glorified when we are looking for ways to love and not for ways to offend. Verse 32, you know, let's read that, that verse again. It says, give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Now, is it possible to do that? Think about it. The Jews were very offended because when now they're preaching Christ is the Son of God, and that's blasphemy to them. That was very offensive to them. The Greeks believed in many gods, and, and the Christians are saying there is one God, right? This is offensive, right? And then the Church of God, right, trying to figure out the differences, right? They're, they're in Corinth, which is not a Jewish city. But you have some Jews here, and you have some non-Jews and Gentiles, and some of their customs and their beliefs are different. Matter of fact, look around you. Do we see different cultures? And when you have different cultures, you have different customs, correct? Right? What what, what might be normal um, in a Puerto Rican household might be offensive, right? In a non-Puerto Rican household, and vice versa, right? There's certain things that we do that we are taught, this is what we do, this is what we believe. But in another culture, they may say, "Why do you, why are you doing that? That's offensive to me, right? And then how do, we, how do we make sense of that when we have this blend of cultures and traditions and backgrounds, right? And, and, and it's not so easy, right? But he's saying in verse 32, give no offense. I don't think that Paul is saying that, that it is really humanly possible to never give any offense in any kind of situation. But what, I, what do I believe that he is saying is he is saying rather than looking for ways to offend people, let's try harder to find ways to love them. Amen? Because let's be honest, sometimes we could care less about what we say as Christians because we think we are saying the right things. And because it's the right thing, I don't care what people think about it. I don't care what people say. It's the right thing. But in reality, is what we are saying based in love or are we really just offensive to others? Are we really just causing an offense? Right? think about it right when we say things in love it's typically more well received correct right so if we think if we take a second believers right christians if we take a second and think a little bit more about our approach we would sometimes be less offensive and more loving and guess what when we are more loving what do you think is the result of that more people are drawn more people are drawn to Jesus amen amen now um, if you, if you take a look um, at a couple chapters back here, um, 1 Corinthians nine verses nineteen to twenty-two. Um, let's see what does it say here. Verse nine or chapter nine, verse nineteen. It says, "For though I am free from all," again, there's that idea that we're free. We can we can do and say say you know a lot of different things. However, it says, "I have made myself a servant to all that I may win more." So he's saying I'm free. But I'm subjecting myself basically to servitude, right? It's the opposite of freedom, servitude. You get that? This idea? And then it says, To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became. So this idea, right? He's becoming like a Jew. In order to um those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law. He's stressing this idea that look, I'm free, but I'm gonna I'll subject Christ came to set us free, right? But yet. I'll, I'll revert back to some of these customs that are under the law just in order to relate to, to my fellow Jews. Because he had a passion to reach them, right? And it says that I may, may win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law. In other words, right? Gentiles, non-Jewish people, right? And it says, um, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside to the law. Of the law to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak and I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some, amen. Get that? Paul is like I will do whatever I gotta do. I will blend into the situation, you know. And 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 notice he says very specific things here. He doesn't say I will sin like the sinners. No, he didn't say that, right? He didn't say I will break. You know, God's commandments. No, he didn't say that. But what did he say? He said, I will adapt certain customs and certain ways and certain mannerisms, right? Like, for example, you know, um, when we're in church, we sometimes get a little churchy. Let's be honest, right? We like to use church words, right? And so when we go out into the street and we're talking to somebody about Christ who's never been in the church, You can't say justification. You can't say sanctification. Are those words bad? Are they wrong? No, they're right. They're correct. We understand them. But guess what? That's not the language of the street. So, so I must become like them. Not, not that I have to like be something that I'm not, you know. And and, and I'm gonna walk out of here, and, and you're gonna see me with my do rag on, and that's not me. You know, that's not me, right? <laughs> but, but, but understand, right, that I, I can, I can adjust how I relate to somebody, right? I can change my mannerisms a little bit, right, so that this person is not like, who is this white guy coming at me? You know, he is not from here. <laughs> You know, he doesn't know me. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't understand me, right? So I have to let them know, hey, I was born here. Well, not really, but I lived here all of my life. (laughs) I lived here all of my life, so I understand Bridgeport. I'm passionate about Bridgeport. I love Bridgeport. And so I have to let that come across in how I speak to people who are from Bridgeport. Does that make sense? Yeah. You get it, right? So, you know, here here is where we often miss it facebook guys (laughs) here is where we often miss it as believers we get upset about a certain thing and we think that god is so offended by this i am so offended by this so i must put a blanket statement out there about this particular sin that i don't like and i think that god doesn't like does god like sin of course not of course he hates sin is god offended by sin he is holy he's holy before he is loving he is holy you know, he, this is, this is, God is love, but yet He is also holy, right? Whenever people come in contact with God, the first thing they say is, holy, holy, right? They fall down in reverence before the Lord. They don't look at Him and say, love, love, love. No, right? He is so different from us, right? So is God offended by sin? Of course He is, right? He had to send His Son to die for sin. He can't be where sin is, right? Uh, but at the same time, does He need us to be so offended by sin that we put these hateful statements out and and this is how the world views us by what we are against. Let's be honest. The the world, they, they don't really know what we are for. They know that we are against this sin and we hate that sin and we don't like that flag that I showed up there and we don't like this and we don't like that. And then they say, why in the world would I want to come to a place that just hates everything that I do? Now, am I saying that we don't talk about sin? No. Am I saying that we we wishy-washy about sin? No. But what am I saying? Don't lead (laughs) with bad, bad, wrong, 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 wrong. Oh, by the way, Jesus loves you. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Sin, sin, going to hell, going to hell. (laughs) Offense, 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 offense. Come to my church. Offense, 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 offense. You'll love it there. Think about it. Think about it for a minute. Isn't this what we do without thinking about it? We're not doing that on purpose, I don't think. We're not doing that on purpose. But let's be honest, we can fall into that trap sometime because we see something and we're bothered in our, our spirit by it. I get it, right? That's the, whole, that's the Holy Spirit, right? He's grieved by sin. And so when we see it, we are grieved by it as well. But how do we present a message to the world that is not leading with offense, but leading with love? Not so easy at times, let's be honest, Right? But if we could learn to grasp what Paul was talking about here and, and meet them where they're at, talk to them, get to know them, ha- strike up a, make a relationship with them before we start dropping the heavy stuff on them, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, so if we can start to re- rethink our approach as Christians, we won't have such a bad name. Think about it. We, we, we have a bad name. Largely because of this kind of stuff, because we lead with punch, 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 jab, 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 right? But when we begin to love more, we offend less. And when we offend less, people come in. People are drawn, right? It's the kindness of God that leads man to repentance, is what the Scripture says, right? It's the kindness of God. It's not the wrath of God. Think about this. When have you ever posted... Uh, 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 Think about that, a Facebook post, right? When have you ever posted something on Facebook that God hates this sin? And somebody who is a sinner in that particular kind of lifestyle reached out to you and said, thank you for posting that. I want to know more about your Jesus. Think about it. Has it ever happened? What actually happens is people now start to unfriend you, and now how are you going to reach them for Christ? Or people start to avoid you, right? Right? Or they start to argue with you on your Facebook post. Now you're going back and forth. I'm a warrior for Christ. I'm going to prove them wrong on this. So let's let's get into into the next point. The next point, God is glorified when our rights and our comfort are laid down for others. God is glorified when our rights and our comfort are laid down for others. Go back to verse um, 33 in in our main chapter here. It says, just as I try to please everyone in everything, I do not seeking my own advantage not seeking my own advantage All right think about that for the minute for a minute and earlier in the chapter Paul kept stressing this idea that I'm free I'm free I have the ability to do these things however I'm laying down that right I'm laying down that comfort why for the sake of others for the sake of those that don't know better For the sake of those who are not saved yet and haven't gotten to the place where I am. For the sake of those who haven't had their hearts enlightened and this Holy Spirit hasn't regenerated them to a place of understanding. You know that we were all once in a place where we did not understand spiritual things, correct? Right? We were on the other end of that. Think about, go back, rewind in time. Think back to the time when we were the ones being preached to and think of see sometimes we've been saved for so long that we forget what it feels like to be on the other side right and and, and so he's like for the sake of those that don't know better for the sake of those who haven't received jesus see we're no better than they are except for the holy spirit came and regenerated us and we received the free gift of salvation we didn't work to earn it we didn't do anything good to deserve it come on somebody that's the gospel that's the gospel amen amen So, um, he's saying, I I, I would rather lay down my rights and my comfort for the sake of others. For the sake of others. He's not saying that I want to be spineless. He's not saying that I don't want to stand up for what is true. He's not saying that I don't want to speak against what is wrong. But what is he saying? He's saying, I don't have to fight in every situation. I don't have to prove that I'm right in every situation. But I would rather... Being a circle where I can at least impact you in some kind of a way, rather than try to be the right one and push you away, amen. Sometimes we get so concerned about being right that we're just pushing the world away, and then we wonder, how, it's been a long time since I led somebody to Christ. Think about it. If it's been a, it's been a while, we have to start rethinking how are we projecting, <laughs> how are we projecting ourselves, amen. You guys get in some of this? This is, this is, this is, this is, this is kind of tough, right? But this is stuff that I think we need to be reminded of at times, right? That we just we get so churchy sometimes that we kind of get into these routines that we don't realize are self-destructive and we're hurting the cause of Christ. We think we're building it, but we're actually hurting it. We don't realize it. And again, we're not doing it on purpose. I don't think anybody says, I'm going to hurt the cause of Christ today, but yet I love Him. We don't do that, right? But we do it unwittingly, unknowingly. So that's why this is so key. These couple verses, I believe, are so crucial, especially in this time, amen, that we're in. Praise God. So, I don't know if you, anybody out there watch classic Star Trek movies? Anybody ever? I I didn't think I would see a lot of (laughs) hands, But, okay, there we go. I'm going to have a few people on my amen corner. All right, you guys remember this powerful scene where... Spock, he was the one with the pointy ears, If you, in case you're not too familiar with uh, Star Trek, right? And, and the Wrath of Khan, right? Where th- this guy, he's like destroyed their ship, basically, and um, Spock has to go into this radioactive chamber. Well, he doesn't have to, but he decides that he's going to, because he is strong enough that he won't die as quick as some of the human beings, he's, his, his fortitude is a little stronger, he's just stronger, his race is stronger, so he goes in there and he starts fixing it, Captain Kirk runs in there to try to stop him, right, but but Spock is stronger, he gets in there, he seals the door, you guys remember that scene, anybody ever watch that movie, right, so Spock is on one side, he's fixing up the, the, the you know, the, the warp drive or whatever, right? he's fixing up the the core reactor, I forget which part it was, but he's fixing up something key to to the driving of the ship, right? And on the other side of the glass is Captain Kirk, and he's pleading with him because he's not just an officer to him. They're also very close friends. So he's pleading with his friend, get out of there. You don't have to do this. And, And Spock has this famous line, and he says, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And then Kirk looks at him and says, or the one, because it's just one. He's just one man laying down his life. And of course, you can see some biblical, you know, like correlation there, right? This idea of one person laying down their life, Jesus, right? For all of us. And sometimes even still knowing that truth, we can still sometimes wrestle with that and say, why did Jesus have to lay down his life for us? And and just like Kirk was wrestling with this idea of why does Spock have to lay down his life, even though he though he knew that he would not be able to do what Spock did, just as we know that we could never do and what Jesus was able to do for us. Amen. Amen. The gospel in Star Trek. You you didn't think you would see that, did you? Um, <laughs> amen. But but this idea, you know, um, turn turn now to First Corinthians um, chapter ten, verse twenty four, and it says. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Let's be honest. Many times that's not the case. We're thinking about our own comfort. We're thinking about our own needs. We're thinking about, we get upset at our neighbors, right? Because they did something we didn't like, right? We're just thinking about our own comfort most of the time. Let's be honest. As Americans, we are very selfish. Let's be honest about it, right? My comfort, my needs... Me first, putting me, I'm going to do me, I'm going to do my goals, right? The, but but the Gospel is, is counter-cultural to that. And it says, no, we are to put others before us. We are to put others before us. And this is what Paul is saying. I have the right to eat whatever I want to eat, to drink whatever I want to drink. Nobody can tell me what to do, but I'm deciding not to do this or not to do that just because I would rather reach some than offend some. Amen! Amen! I would rather love some than offend them. I would rather be uncomfortable so that they could be comfortable. How many times do people walk in the church and they feel uncomfortable because of what, things that we say or things that we do? That, By the way, you know, you, you don't see me wearing ties up here. Not that I, Not that I think there's anything wrong with wearing a tie, but I made that decision very consciously that I'm not going to be the re that I'm not going to let a little thing around my neck be a reason for somebody to not come to church because they say I don't have a tie. So I'm not welcome in that church or I don't look like him. So I, therefore I don't fit in. Amen. Right. Little things we don't always realize, but it can make an impact on people. Right. You guys getting me? Say amen. Say amen. All right. You still with me? Okay. So number three, number three, um, God is glorified when our goal is to lead people to Jesus rather than win arguments. Amen? Let me say that again. Our goal is is to lead people to Jesus, not win arguments. Look at the second um, part of verse 33. What does it say? That they may be saved. That they may be saved. How many people have you gotten saved through arguments? (laughs) Probably not that many. (laughs) right? Let's be honest. But some of us, we like to argue. And you know what? Sometimes there's a place for that. Because Paul did that at times. It says that he would reason and he would would have these debates and things. But he didn't do it for the sake of just being argumentative. Um, But there were people that wanted to approach him on topics. And so then he would go back and forth with them. Same thing with Jesus, right? Jesus would sometimes, but he wouldn't look for them, right? Think about that. Did Jesus walk into a temple and be like, I'm here, what's up? No. He would just do what he did, and then they would come after him. They would put him in a corner. They would ask him a tough question, and then he would answer it. Right? But he wasn't looking for a fight. But when it came to, if, if it came to him, sometimes he would just ignore them. Sometimes he would change the subject. Sometimes he would ask them a question. But then sometimes you let them have it. (laughs) Some of us are good at letting people have it, but we need to be a little bit better about, I don't need to win. I don't need to win this argument. Sometimes we just need to let it go. Amen. Sometimes we need to know when to to hold them, know when to fold them, right? (laughs) Right? Our goal is to lead people, not win arguments. Because we can fight so hard to be right, Okay, good. Point for me. I won the argument, but now I'm never going to see that guy again because he's frustrated as anything dealing with me. I shut him down so hard with the truth of Christ. I showed him the love of Jesus. I shut him down. (laughs) And, and, And now when I try to call him, he doesn't answer my phone calls. And now when I send him text messages, he doesn't respond. Oh, I won, all right, but I won the wrong battle. Amen. Let's think about it. Let's think about it. Let's think about it. Amen. Our goal is to lead people to Jesus, not win arguments. Amen. Luke 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He came looking for the lost ones. Looking for the lost ones. Amen. We too should be looking for the lost ones, not looking to beat them up but looking to bring them to Jesus. Because guess what? They're already beat up. They're already beat up. They're already hurting. They're already abused by this life and by this world. They're abused by the enemy. They don't need us to beat up on them as well. We, they, they need us to bring them to the healer who will comfort them and love on them. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then of course... Jesus does what He does, and He knows how to do what He does. We don't have to be the one in charge of making sure that they stop sinning in all these different ways. Guess what? The Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit's job. Does that mean you never point it out? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that's not our primary job. Our primary job is bring them to Jesus, let the Holy Spirit do do what He does, and then we come alongside and we disciple, and we help along the way. But it's not our job to make them something that we can't do. it. It's impossible. Amen? You will just end up frustrated and mad. Amen? How many of us have gotten frustrated and mad? Let's be honest. All of us, myself included. Because I'm trying to do something that it wasn't really my job to do. Amen? Alright. God is glorified when we look like Jesus. God is glorified when we look like Jesus. This is why I included that last verse. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So many times we take that verse out of context, but in my Bible, I don't know if your Bible looks like mine, there's a space between that verse and the next paragraph. And I believe that was purposeful because when they were translating it, they understood that, okay, we're going to call this a separate chapter, but we understand that it probably really belongs to the last part of chapter 10. Now when you look at it in the context of chapter 10, it takes on a whole different meaning. So many of us, we look at a verse like this, be imitators of me as of Christ, we, we look at it from a leadership perspective as I'm a leader, I should be a leader who is worth following. So I should be living in such a way that people want to follow the way that I do because I'm following Jesus and I'm doing that in such a good way that people can also follow my steps because they can see me, I'm a physical person, so they can see what I do, so just follow me, do what I'm doing, I'm doing the Jesus thing, follow me and, and do the Jesus thing, right? But, but no... I think really what he is saying here is, yes, follow me in this that I just told you. Don't be trying to offend people. (laughs) Try to love on people. This whole thought, everything that we've just been talking about here, lay down your, your rights, right? Try to win people. Do what I am doing because I am doing what Jesus did. Doesn't that give it a whole nice emphasis doesn't that really put a nice stamp on these last couple of verses it's not just oh these are good lofty ideals from paul oh let's try not to offend people oh yeah it sounds really great oh let's try to please everybody let's just win everybody for jesus sounds really lofty sounds really high and then paul ends it with by the way do what i'm doing because this is what jesus did think about that for a minute do what i'm doing because i'm trying to do what jesus did and I know some of us are thinking, "But wait a minute, wasn't Jesus offensive? <laughs> Let's take a look at these points again in light of Jesus, but let me read a couple of verses first. Matthew 11:28 and 29. Jesus said of himself, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest." Does that sound offensive in any kind of way? Does that sound like a welcome invitation? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly of heart. Read that again. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly of heart. So what is that saying? Come to me. But when you come to me, learn to be like me. And how am I? I am gentle and lowly in heart. Think about that for a minute. And you will find rest for your souls look at this next verse Luke chapter 7 verse 34 the son of man has come eating and drinking and you say look at him a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners see who was offended there the religious leaders because they said he is becoming like the sinners he is hanging out with them he is being too friendly with them You know, and by the way, he wasn't a drunkard, but they were or a glutton because those are sins. Right. And we know that Christ didn't sin, but they're accusing him of that just because he's in the presence of people who might be doing those things. And, and, And so but what was Jesus doing? Just what Paul said, I become all things to all men in order that I might win some. And yes, yeah, so can you, can, you do, can you do that without offending? Apparently not in this case because the, the, the church folks got offended. And who ends up getting more offended? The Jews, the Greeks, uh, or the church? Back in those days it was the Jews, but today it's the church. We're more offended than anybody else. And we get upset when we see the world offended by us. Meanwhile, we're offended by so many things that they do, right? Think about it for a minute. So... Can we learn to be more like Jesus? The gospel is offensive. But if we don't go out of but, but we don't have to go out of our way to be offensive. Amen? That's I really hope we get that today, right? The gospel message is offensive in and of itself, but we don't have to go out of our way to step on people. Step right? Can we please everyone? No. Can we avoid offending everyone? No. But how can we get how can we give God glory in these things? Let's consider Jesus in these prior points. The first was God is glorified when we are looking for ways to love and not offend. Jesus was known more for his love than he was for offending people. Is that correct? He was known more for loving people than he was for offending people. Did he offend people? Yes, but did he love people? Yes, more so. Amen? Shouldn't that be the case for us? We should be known more for our love than we are for our offense. Amen? Number two, God is glorified when our rights and comforts are laid down for others. Jesus laid down all of heaven. He laid down His position. He laid down His power. He laid down glory. He laid it all down for us. For me. For you. He laid down every comfort and every right while he was hanging on the cross. He had the right to walk off of there because he did no sin. He did no wrong. He had the right, but yet he laid it down for me and for you. What kind of comforts and what kind of rights can we lay down for our unbelieving family members and friends so that we can point them to the cross? Amen. Number three, God is glorified. When our goal is to lead people to Jesus, not win arguments. Jesus led many people to the truth, not through force, but because he was the truth and he lived the truth. Amen. So too, we can walk in that kind of a way. Your life is a stronger testimony than your words. Your actions will speak louder than your words. Amen. Your actions will do a better job of either pointing people to Christ or away from Him. Amen? Rather than any other kind of eloquent post you can make on Facebook or any other kind of argument you can try to pose. Amen? The things that we actually do is what people are paying more attention to. Amen? And last, God is glorified when we look like Jesus. Can you stand with me? Heavenly Father, help us to look more like Your Son. Lord, we we don't get it right all the time, but we want to get it right. Lord, we want to stand against unrighteousness. We want to stand against injustice. We want to stand for the truth. But Lord, we want to do it. Help us to do it in a way that doesn't overtly push people away rather than draw them closer to You. Help us to lead with love. Help us to be more loving. Help us to not be offensive on purpose. Help us to choose our words more wisely. Help us to live as you did, Jesus, where you were the friend of sinners, that we would also be called the friend of sinners and then have an opportunity to share the the love of Jesus Christ with them in a way that they can respond and receive. Lord, your, your word is like a hammer. Help us to not be the hammer. Your word is the hammer. Help us to be the hand that extends to those in need. The hand that is willing to embrace. The hand that is willing to help and not hurt and not push away. Lord, help us to be less offensive and more loving. Help us to be more like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen. Amen. Praise God. Tell tell the person next to you, I want to be like Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated.